everybody, and welcome to a very special episode of the Real Collective Podcast. This is episode five. I am Brennan McKeegan, and with me, as always, right above me, there he is. Sean Tassi. I pointed out, but I think on YouTube, he's probably on one of these sides, but you guys get what it's going on. We're doing a Zoom call, and then they place the windows. And today, we have a very special guest on the show. She is one of the Real Collective Zones. She is our lady of luxury. Jess DiNardo is here. Hi, Jess. How are you? I'm good, Brendan. How are you? Thanks I am wonderful. Me. Yeah, thanks for coming. This is exciting. I like this. Uh, we do have a wonderful program today. We're going to obviously dip into a little bit of the luxury side of things. Uh, we're going to be talking about some of the best neighborhoods in Ottawa. So within the green belt that you can purchase a home in if you're looking for that luxury lifestyle. Uh, and then later on, we're going to dive into what Jess's specialty is and her experiences working with luxury properties and what to expect when you're looking at luxury properties. If you're having a good time so far on episode five, we have four more in the bag for you. You can check them out on Spotify and uh, uh, the Apple uh, store. You can check those out there. If you're having a good time on the YouTubes, please like, subscribe, and share us. That would be wonderful. And then we will get into it. Sean, how is your week going so far, my friend? So far, so good. We, uh, we, as a matter of fact, sold a luxury property this week. So good, uh, good, good timing for everything. Uh, for people who don't know, a luxury property in Ottawa is any property that is uh, selling in that price range over a million dollars. Um, it accounts for probably less than 10% of the overall market, uh, but it is uh, certainly, as people are changing their lifestyles, certainly uh, um, something to, to focus on and pay attention to. Um, and really interesting coming down the pipe is we'll get to see a few videos with, with Jess in them at some luxury properties. So we'll, we'll, we'll have a look at those in the middle. And like Brendan said, if you guys are listening to this on either Spotify or on uh, Apple uh, podcasts, feel free to check it out on YouTube. And then you can actually start to see some of these uh, videos that we're talking about all the time. So, yeah. Absolutely. So we're going to dive into it today, guys. We're going to talk about some of the top uh, properties, top areas in Ottawa that you can live in. We're going to start at number five and work our way down. Uh, so number five, we're going to get right into it. We're going to start in Alta Vista. A lot of you may have heard of Alta Vista. Maybe you haven't. It's over near the hospital, uh, not the Civic. That's the other one. Uh, but this one, Alta Vista, has gone through quite a resurgence. A lot of people are buying homes and completely renovating them, or they're rebuilding. There's a lot going on there. It's a really yeah, absolutely. The uh, it started off, um, you know, it was built in the '60s by Minto. A lot of the homes in there are old '60s Minto homes. You know, they're really cool mid-century styling, and if you could snap up one of those old Minto homes and redo it, you know, if you can pick it up for under eight hundred. And then you know, put a couple of hundred thousand dollars into it. You're you're going to be walking away with a multi million, like not multi million, but an over a million dollar home for sure, um, with the right upgrades. It's neat. I've I've seen a few houses in there where I walk in and I feel like I'm walking into a ski chalet. Like they've got these open concept ceilings and they've got these beams built in. It's like oh wow, and they've got like slanted sloping ceilings as opposed to just a standard one. Uh, and then there's of course some real big bangers in there. Like some it seems as though some some physicians have just torn out houses and put these huge homes in. So uh, the other neat thing uh, is even though it is sort of a, a high-end neighborhood, it still has a bit of a family feel to it. Mm -hmm. uh, you've got a lot of streets that don't really have sidewalks on them. Uh, so it's more like it's, it's got that, it's got a really neat vibe uh, going on with it. So uh, yeah, Altavis is a, a cool 
place to live in the, in the city, I'd say for sure. Yeah. And a lot of these two that we're looking at today, what kind of sets them apart too, is that when we're looking at urban density, these places have larger lots because a lot of them are older. They're older lot lines. Like, so you're getting a nice backyard with most of these homes. I mean, I can't tell you how many pools I've seen in Alta Vista. <laughs> it's almost like every other home. If you look at the Google maps, uh, the satellite view and look down, it's just pool after pool because they have the space. It's true. That's true. All right. Number four, we're going to jump over to the other hospital. We're looking at the civic the civic hospital area. Sean, what sets this part from the Alta Vista neighborhood? You know, it's neat that the that sort of number four and number five are centered around hospitals. And I think we, we skipped over one, which is Qualicum. And it's, again, that's also like right beside another hospital. It's not on our list, spoiler alert, if you're waiting for uh, whether to see it's going to show up on number one or not. Um, but yeah, Civic Hospital, uh, same sort of thing, right? It's got a really neat vibe to it where you have some of these older style century homes. Uh, and then you've got some, not as many infills. It's not as big, right? But it, it, it does have this really nice family vibe and it is certainly um you'll find a higher um average income i suppose is the easiest way to say it in the neighborhood so nice area uh you know but there there, there, there are some infills and they are real like really big houses uh but it does have this sort of family feel that's a it's where um, my son goes to school in a, in a school that's in the civic hospital. So in a lot of the, a lot of the people who are his classmates, the parents will walk him, uh, walk their kids uh, to school. And it's just neat to see sort of the young families in the neighborhood as well. And it's sort of changing, right? Like you've got people who have lived there for a long time uh, and those houses are flipping over to the new families. So it's neat to see it happen. Mm-hmm. It's also a very different style of home in that neighborhood too, compared to Alta Vista. You know, the the Alta Vista is those sort of '60s, mid-century. You know, these are you know in civic area, you're getting a lot more of those century homes. So that you know, if that's what someone's looking for, if they're not looking for something super modern, sometimes they are looking for those old, beautiful, you know, grand dame homes. Yeah, and I find too with uh, with civic, you get a lot more two stories, and Alta Vista seems to have more bungalows in that area than probably any of these other neighborhoods really when when they first built the civic hospital like back in the in the whatever it was 60s or something um they were building it on farm fields right and so people in or like in the 50s or whatever it was it was it was a long time ago and they were like why are you putting a hospital on the very end of the city that's a terrible place for it and now i mean they it's essentially right in the middle it's super quick to get off the queensway at, at parkdale and uh they're talking about a huge expansion which is taking over some of the um some of the what's it called? The experimental farm land away from it. Yeah. And so there's going to be a a big growing up sort of thing that happens there. And it's right next to um, uh, Little Italy, right? And Dallas Lake and stuff like that. So you're going to start to see uh, some some gentrification and some increased density, I think, uh, not necessarily around the Civic Hospital proper, but sort of some of the outlying areas around it uh, as we move forward. So yeah, definitely uh, top number four. Good, good, good hood. I don't think that's necessarily a bad thing because that helicopter pad is a cross carling and it always just strikes me weird to like, that. I, I, I know it's not the case. I know they put them in an ambulance, but I always picture the helicopter landing and then running the gurney to the crosswalk and then just like, come on and just hitting the button. So if they build something over there, that's more like an emergency ward, like an actual emergency ward that kind of makes sense and keep it separate from the rest. You know, like you can have your, surgeries and things that need to happen or that are planned and then the urgent care kind of thing so that would be nice to see number three uh number three number two 
we uh, we don't know, guys. We're we we're, we were at an end. Uh, tell us what you think after the show. Put it in the comments. Let us know if you agree with three and two. But number three is the Glebe. That's right. We have the Glebe. If you like rock shows and football games and noise complaints, you will love the Glebe. If you love artisan coffee, the Glebe is for you. Sean, what uh, what makes the Glebe uh, so special or so unique for Ottawa? Well, I think the Glebe for a long time has been sort of a, a long-standing, traditional, you know, uh, this is where the 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 houses there are, they're all century houses, except for the ones that have been torn down and infilled. But a lot of the places are sort of big, almost um, not, I wouldn't say estate size lots, but they're oversized lots on some of the really premier streets, like on Clemo and stuff like that, where the, the, the houses are so set far back from the street. And they've got this really regal sort of look with uh, um, a balcony in the front. And so there's a lot of, uh, I guess you'd call it old money as far as Ottawa goes in the Glebe. It is certainly um, the, the, the place where, you know, it, it, it's for the longest time, it's been sort of the, the secondary or premier uh, secondary neighborhood in all of Ottawa. Um, obviously second to the one that we'll talk about later, uh, but it's, it, 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 it still does have that family friendly vibe to it. And it seems to be just a little bit more approachable um than maybe some of the other ones so that's that's my take Jess what about you what's your experiences with the Glebe how do you feel about it um so I think the Glebe is a really interesting neighborhood in Ottawa when I transplanted here 20 years ago it was the neighborhood other than our number one which we'll get to in a second um it was it was the expensive neighborhood um, I do find that as time has gone on, that has started to slip. Um, and we'll talk about why with our number two in a second and, and sort of why I ranked it as number two and Sean and I didn't necessarily agree on that. Um, but it, I mean, don't get me wrong, the Glebe is still awesome. You know, I'm, I'm down here quite frequently in the Glebe and it's, it's a really beautiful neighborhood gorgeous homes, the side streets, especially this time of year with all the leaves turning and, you know, that like idyllic walking through, you know, a small town street with the crunching leaves underfoot. You get that feeling in the Glebe that you don't necessarily get in other places in Ottawa because it's a city, but this still has that small town feel and it's super, super walkable, which is fantastic. I, I, th I think, I think one thing that might have uh, added to sort of your perceived reduction in, in the, the Glebe versus what you've ranked as number two, which I called number three, is the fact that so many of the buildings, because of how big and expansive the units are, they're being converted into three, and three four, and five unit uh, 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 rental buildings. And that might have a negative effect on the overall neighborhood as a whole, uh, the, 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 the overall demographics of it. So I wonder if that might play a part in it. I can see that, but I think with the rentals that are happening, they're more, I don't want to say luxury rentals, but they're definitely, I think, higher end. Uh, they're, but I mean, the same time too, it's pretty close to Carleton University. So you're going to have a little bit more south in the Glebe. You might have some more of that like student housing kind of thing going on. They definitely are higher end rentals. Um, the only there's no stigma about the the tenants themselves, but it tends to be, you know, if a, if a 
tenant rents a house, they're less invested in the community as, as a whole. And in the Glebe, you do see a lot of people who own, who are very invested in their community. And that's, you know, something I think might be dropping off a little bit as we do see more of these converted into multiple units. Right on. Number two, we're going to move on to it. It's the one that you've all been sort of waiting for, that you know what's going to come. It's the place where Subarus reign supreme and expensive strollers are everywhere. It is Westboro, everybody. No surprise there. Uh, the Westboro neighborhood has been growing and a lot like Alta Vista. There's larger lots in there. There's a lot of infill happening right now. There's a There's a big mix of that. And you have these huge homes that are being built uh right right down like in the heart of it um and you're very close to everything and once the lrt is actually functional and safe for people to ride that's going to make a difference in there too so it's only going to go on the rise from here um that's my take on it and plus they have like all the shops and stuff are very accessible by walking or just a short bike ride or even the side streets like you mentioned before they don't bring in leaves like uh like all like the like the glebe does they don't have the crunchy fall leaves year round. Uh, the Glebe has a special fund for that, where they sprinkle leaves in April to make people feel welcome in the home. That's that they they say they save up money from the great Glebe garage sale, so that they yes, can afford that's to, what the to great, bring leaves in. Yes, please, we need our spring leaves. <laughs> Buy our okay. stuff. What's your what are your what are your thoughts, John? Let's let's start there on the on Westboro. Yeah, I think Westboro offers something um, unique that I think the Glebe also offers and just hit on it that so many of today's families are looking for. It's like, hey, give me a nice house to live in um, that's, you know, I can I can commute and I can have my car, but I also want to walk somewhere. I want to walk with my, you know, um, you said strollers. I just read a book. The word was perambulator, which uh, which is which is a pram, a British old word for a perambulator. I don't know if I've ever had to say that word before, but it sounded a lot of fun to say. Uh, so people want to push their pram to uh, to go and get their coffee and to you know throw a few things uh, underneath and you know stop at the deli and stop at the candy store and stop at this store as opposed to necessarily going to one store altogether. And it's just it's a bit of a different lifestyle. Uh, it's I, I would say it is you know as far as uh, young and accessible families go. It's it's the neighborhood that really shows up on people's list. Hey, yeah, this is where I want to live. This is where I want to live. This is the spot that I want to be in. Um, yeah, that's my take on Westboro. It's definitely got the cool factor that I'm sorry to say the Glebe doesn't necessarily have anymore. Um, and the Glebe did used to have that. It's been really, really interesting to watch Westboro develop over the last 20 years. When I moved here is when the Mountain Equipment Co-op just had gone in. And, you know, that's obviously now a huge fixture in the Glebe. And because of the Mountain Equipment Co-op opening, it encouraged a lot of other businesses to move there. You know, when I moved here, I lived in Wellington West, which is really close to Westboro, and it was not a good neighborhood. It was a very sketchy neighborhood at the time. And that dynamic has completely shifted over the last 20 years. And a lot of it has to do with that Mountain Equipment Co-op opening, you know, people, it started to become a destination for people to go to. And then when the superstore opened up, that changed the dynamics again, because it was no longer a food desert. So more people wanted to live there. And it's just gone up and up and up since then. It's been very, very interesting to watch and to watch the dynamic shift away from the Glebe focus to the Westboro focus, especially for younger buyers who do have that money to spend. Yeah, I think there's a definite uh, growth for younger people to be looking at Westboro. Uh, I, I just feel like that's 
more where they want to be. And I don't know if that's just proximity location to other things that are around, or if it's just a matter of, like you said, you know, you're walking down the street in Westboro and it's a lot of independently owned businesses. And that's really nice to see. Yes. There's places like the Barley Mall and uh, Dairy Queen and stuff like that. That's going to be in any neighborhood. But for the most part, a lot of these are local businesses, Clock Tower Brew Pub, you know, that's, and it's, it's really nice to see that. And it's got its own sort of community vibe going on there. I think I think the other important thing to note is the houses that people, especially the young families that we're working with, and especially the, the sort of luxury buyers that we're working with, are looking for a house in the Westboro and they're in Westboro, and they're trying to buy something that's a little bit newer. Uh, whereas the, for the same money, the house that you'll get in the Glebe might have issues with water in the basement, might be a hundred years old, et cetera. And so, you know, the young families that are looking for houses typically today don't want uh, all the brain damage that comes with owning a house that's over a hundred years old you know give me the new give me the new look give me that you know that's that's what that's what the luxury buyers are sort of looking for today and i think that's another housing factor that westboro provides that the glee might be a little bit lack, lacking on mm-hmm. absolutely all right number one on the list uh i don't think anyone's going to be surprised by this uh i have thoughts about it but i'll bring those up soon we are going to talk about the neighborhood that if you're an ambassador you probably live there And if you're the prime minister, you probably live there too. It is Rockcliffe, the Rockcliffe area. It's uh, just north of Montreal Road for anyone who doesn't know. And if you've driven around there, some people, it's one of those neighborhoods where people like to drive around to just look at the houses. Uh, It's, you know, a lot of people are like, wow, look at that one. Wow, look at that one. What is it that draws people in there? Because there's also, there's also some condos and things like that in there too, like low rise condos. So uh, Jessica, let's start on you. What's uh, what's your thoughts with Rockcliffe Park, Rockcliffe area? I've been obsessed with Rockcliffe Park since I moved to Ottawa because for the longest time, I didn't know it existed. Before I moved to Ottawa and even in my first couple of years here, you know, driving around in that area, if you don't know it's there, you wouldn't know it was there. Like you really have to go off the beaten path and then you get into these sort of winding streets and you're like, oh, wow, this is incredible. And then you do see all of these incredible homes. You know, if you're just sort of driving past the prime minister's residence or along the parkway, you kind of miss that whole area, which is really, really interesting. Um, I, I love and appreciate the architecture in Rockcliffe Park. I understand why the home values are what they are in, in Rockcliffe Park. You know, you do have these beautiful architectural wonders with huge lots, beautiful landscaping. You know, there's a lot going into those properties. They are, of course, out of reach for most, for most buyers. I would say of the 10% of luxury of homes that sell in the market that are luxury homes, I would say a much smaller percentage of those are within the Rockcliffe Park area because, I mean, your, your baseline is probably two and a half million in there. Um, you know, that's, that's your, that's your bottom line for, uh, for the base model, but yeah. they're still beautiful homes. Yeah, absolutely. And like, that's the thing is a lot of them are owned by dignitaries and, you know, it's foreign, foreign land because a lot of them are, I don't know how, well, a lot of ambassadors live in there. Let's say that, uh, I've been to where the German ambassador, uh, lives. So my wife was friends with their son when they were here before. Um, and they're just huge, gorgeous homes. And you're taking these tours and you're like, and what do you guys do here? Do you just always have people over? Yep. Pretty much. That's what they do. Mm-hmm. And that's their job. Yeah. Yeah. Well, houses are typically uh, defined on a price per square foot. 
right? Uh, I, whether it's the inside of the house or whether it's the lot that it's sitting on. And when you've got 11 bedrooms in one house, <laughs> you're, you're going to need square footage to, to, to cover that off. So of course these places are selling for more. Um, you know, I, I, like, like Jess said, the entry level point is like a really nice house in a lot of other neighborhoods, like in some of the estate lots that we're not talking about outside the city, that's your, you know, 10 acre property with, with, you know, whatever pony. it is, six, a pony and six bedrooms. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And, 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 and in Rockcliffe Park, that buys you, you know, a two or a three bedroom bungalow, right? Uh, on, on sort of the, the weird corner lot down the hill and like so and Rockcliffe is also super beautiful the, the the landscape and the terrain and how hilly it is it gives houses an extra level of privacy so you might have your house is here and your neighbor's house is here and uh, as a result you, you you don't you don't end up looking at each other ever there's a lot of old growth right like there, there's a lot of uh, old houses same, same as we've talked about before a lot of really uh, uh, old sort of estate style houses mixed in with some really neat infills like when Ottawa went through its big tech boom uh, in the late 90s and early 2000s some of the uh, premier uh, uh, business owners in the neighborhood you know went in and spent a lot of money on really making these properties uh, um, personalized um, and then you can also see the different decades as you go and look at some of these different houses oh this one must have been built in the 80s because it has that or the 70s it's got that you know spiral staircase and shag carpets and it's all of these sort of cliche things that you would think about a, a house of, of that era you'll see them in these houses and so it's 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 neat to look at some of them especially some of the older ones Mm -hmm. The thing too about the terrain, Sean, is really, uh, I think is really important and not to be missed. Um, that's the only place in Ottawa that you do find terrain like that to have that sort of privacy. Like if you think about, I, I don't know if you guys watch any of the sort of television, like million dollar listing television programs, but you know, it looks a lot like Los Angeles real estate in terms of it being on a hill. Uh -huh. And you don't see that anywhere else in Ottawa where you do have that, you know, no rear neighbor necessarily looking into your backyard because it's on a ravine. Yeah, there's definitely uh, definitely a lot more privacy in that neighborhood. And I think that just speaks to what the people that are occupying the homes and how they need it. So yeah. it's definitely a, a result of that. So there's our top five, everybody. If there's some that we missed or if you don't agree, let us know in the comments below. Um, maybe you live in a neighborhood that sounds like it's it's kind of racist. Uh, maybe like you live in like Whitehaven, like some weird place where that shouldn't be the name of a neighborhood, but it is. So maybe you think that should be on the list. Um, but it's, you know, it's up to you. Put it in the comments below. Let us know what you think. Right now, we're going to take a break, uh, but we are going to show you a video that uh, Jess has done for one of our listings. So we're going to throw to that right now. So take a look at that and we will be right back. Today we're in Riverside South for this one, 520 Supernova. What a great name for a street. This home is unbelievable on the inside. It's a Richcraft Westbrook model. That's right, Sean. With 3,000 square feet, five bedrooms, four full baths. Let me tell you, this place is beautiful. Yeah, you know, we gotta talk a little bit about your vocabulary, pal. Let me tell you, beautiful. You've been oh. leaning into those a little bit hard. So I've got a bit of surprise for you today. I'll let you go inside the house and, uh, and find out. Okay, thanks. 
Now, as soon as I walk in this place, immediately I'm hit by luxury. Oh, speaking of luxury, here's our lady of luxury. I prefer the term luxury realty specialist. Lady of luxury might have a certain connotation. I'm here to help you because I am the team's luxury real estate specialist. Oh, thanks. And I think you're also here to help me out a little bit with my vocabulary, especially for a beautiful home like this. Let me tell you, I really have a tough time coming up with synonyms for beautiful. Splendid, wonderful, gorgeous, fantastic, absolutely lovely. Okay, I'll try to remember those. <laughs> Now, part of this wonderful entrance of this home is this great formal living area. It's got a lot of space here. And you know what? It's actually quite surprising how big it is. And then it flows back to this more informal part of the home. And I tell you, this space back here is expansive. This is what everybody wants nowadays. This room is huge. I tell you, it's so big and so great. I need Jess to help me out. So let me help you out then, Elliot. Let's talk about this gorgeous, fantastic, amazing kitchen. If you like to cook at home, and especially during the pandemic, we've been doing a lot of cooking at home these days, this kitchen is perfect for you. We've got stainless steel appliances. This is a gas range and it's a smart stove. It is absolutely fantastic. And right over here is one of my favorite things in a home, a butler's pantry. Here in the butler's pantry, we've got a built-in wine fridge, lots of storage for all your stemware, and in the pantry, maybe I've got some crackers for my cheese. Butter brings snack. Now, as great as this first floor has been, it's not over yet. That space over there is huge, but there's also this whole other separate area. You have a great bedroom right here, a full bathroom on the main floor, and you have an office slash bedroom. And check out the lady luxury. Luxury realtor, Elliot, luxury realtor. Welcome to the mast, I mean primary bedroom. Come on in. This space continues up here on the second floor with this beautiful, large primary bedroom. You can have all your primaries in this room at the same time, it's so big. You got a great walk-in closet, but you know what the piece de resistance is in this room? It is the beautiful, fully upgraded bathroom. I'll let Jess talk about that one. Thanks, Elliot. Love the French on that one too. This bathroom truly is a pièce de résistance. This is the first of two ensuite bathrooms in this gorgeous home. We have a double sink, a huge soaker tub, and a massive stand-up shower. I don't know about you, but this is the bathroom of my dreams. I tell you, everything about this house just makes me feel so fancy. This is an other bedroom with its own bathroom. That's right, Elliot. In any other house, this might be considered a primary bedroom. But in this house, we have two huge, beautiful bedrooms up here, both with en-suites and both with walk-in closets. And that's not all. That's right, Jess. It doesn't stop there. There is more to this top floor. Meet Jack. And this is Jill. Closets abound in both bedrooms. Down here in the basement, we've got all kinds more space. 
That's right, we've got all this space and you can have carte blanche to do whatever you want with it. That's right, add that space out of the fact that you've got beautiful large windows, even egress windows, you've got some sleeping quarters right here, you've got a rough in for a bathroom, and this kitchen. Starfire disclaimer, this is not a legal secondary dwelling unit. So obviously this outside living space is awesome. We've got the fence going in, fresh sod has been laid. This neighborhood is to die for. If you've got a young family, whole bunch of kids under 10 all living up and down the street, Elliot, you got a chance to go inside the house and of course you had Jess to help you out. What did you think about the inside and have Jess with you? Let me tell you, Sean, the inside of the house was beautiful and it was so much help having Jess there. Oh, I guess I need her out here too. I just did it again. <laughs> You know what, we'll give you a pass on this one, but hopefully you'll be able to figure out some new vocabulary moving forward. So if you guys would like to see this home or any others, as always, please give us a call. The phone number is 613-314-3187. And until then, Stop fire out. <laughs> Welcome back, everybody. That was Jess Denardo and our own Elliot Moult doing a video for a property that we had on Supernova, which is one of the coolest names uh, for a street ever. That was a beautiful home. And Jess, well done on the video. That was wonderful, as always. Um, some of you may have seen some videos that Jess and I have done together. They are highly acclaimed from last Christmas. Uh, so go check those ones out too. If you like the videos that you did just see, like us and share, subscribe, hit the notification bell on the YouTubes. If you're listening to this in your car, uh, pull over right now and do the same thing. Uh, that's probably not safe. Do it when you get off. Do it when you get off the, uh, out of the car. So we have... Jess Donardo, like I said, she is here with us. She's going to fill you guys in on what it's like if you're looking for a luxury property. Uh, so just what made you decide that that was the way you wanted to take your real estate career? Sure. So my background is actually, uh, I come from the world of both the fine arts and fine dining. Um, I am passionate for good design and I'm passionate about good food. <laughs> So as you know, throughout my life, I've always been interested in, you know, luxurious properties, luxury lifestyle. You know, I grew up reading Town and Country magazine and Vogue. My mother would bring them home and I'd like to look at the pretty pictures. And as a result, I ended up learning a lot about architecture and design. Um, when I moved into real estate, I didn't really realize what a great market Ottawa is for luxury homes because, you know, our luxury entry point is a million dollars, which no, let's not get it twisted. That is a lot of money, but it's not the same as a luxury entry point in another market where it might be, you know, $5 million is, is what's considered a luxury home. Um, so yeah, that was what made me decide to, uh, to start working with luxury properties. Uh, I believe, you know, I do have a lot of knowledge as, as a result of my background that I can pass on to buyers. Um, the other thing is too, when you're, when you're working with buyers who are looking to buy a luxury property, they have a higher budget, which also means they have higher expectations of their realtor and having patience and gentleness and kindness to work with people because it is, it's a longer process to buy a luxury home than it is, you know, you're not going to go out and see 10 houses in one weekend simply because 10 houses don't come on the market in one weekend at that price point. So having that patience to deal with people who may be getting frustrated because they haven't been able to find the house that they want, you know, is, is a real virtue in this business. Yeah, and definitely even on the listing side of things, uh, you know, you see these homes that are three million, two million plus, and they definitely do sit there much longer than the rest because there's a smaller amount of buyers for that. 
Uh, Sean, I'm sure you've had, we've all had some experience now with luxury buyers um, and sellers. And it's, it's definitely a tough nut to crack. Uh, it's definitely a lot of perseverance. And when you can focus there, the payoff is still going to be there. Uh, you know, it's kind of a high risk, high reward scenario. Um, but it also helps when your realtor has good taste and knows what they're talking about. So that's, that's definitely what, uh, what you want to be getting into there. Sean, what are you, what are your experiences with the luxury market? Well, I don't think it, I don't think I have as much experience working with luxury buyers as as, as maybe just as I think a lot of the business that uh, that I do is working with sort of young families. Uh, but as a result of the growth that Ottawa's seen over the last um, you know three years, uh, some of some of a typical family home. Uh, that a young family would buy is almost qualifying now as a luxury property. Uh, and so I think when we're buying, um, you know, you're just as right. I mean, it, there, there's, there's, I wouldn't call it picky, um, but more focused on, I think the buyers seem to be more focused on value, right? Like, okay, I'm spending this money. Well, what am I getting? Like how much better is this than something else? So very value oriented is, is, is what I would uh, judge the, the, the folks that I work with. Um, and, 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 and I'm sure that there are some people out there who aren't value oriented, who are like, give me the absolute best possible house with all of the best finishes and the name brand, every single thing. Uh, I haven't had a lot of experience working with those types of people. Um, and so I, I can't necessarily speak to that type of buyer. What I want to know, Jess, from you, and I'm maybe stealing your thunder here, Brennan, with asking questions, is um, what have you found when people are selling uh, their, their high-end homes? Where, where, where do the pitfalls lie? So the number one pitfall that I see the most is in pricing the home to, to start with. Um, you know, as realtors, we do have access to all of the sold data. We can tell people what things have sold for. However, there's, there's a couple of factors. First of all, when you do get into these larger luxury homes, there are fewer and fewer properties that are similar to be able to compare them to. So, you know, if you have an architectural masterpiece that's been built you know, by an architect in the 80s, but the last three houses that have sold in the neighborhood were, you know, modern boxes that are infill that just went in. How do you compare the price on those? Is it by square foot? Is it by finishes? It's, it's really, really difficult to price these homes. And sometimes we do see that quite often in those, in that higher price point where a home will sit on the market and then you'll see it go through price reductions because the listing agent, you know, gave it their best but also maybe overshot a little bit. And sometimes that overshoot does come from the seller themselves. Uh, you know, it's, it's difficult to remove yourself emotionally from selling your home, no matter what the price point is. But if it's a fully customized home, I think it might be even harder to remove yourself. You've put all this time and effort into it. You love your home so much. And if someone is telling you it's worth $500,000 less than you think it is, you may fight back and want to list it at that higher number, even if the market may not demand it. I, I, guess, I guess it's a little bit different than listing a townhouse in Barhaven where 15 of them have sold in the last week and they all look identical with uh, Brennan's favorite uh, uh, lines on the wall of uh, live, laugh, love. Um, <laughs> uh, right. And, 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 and because so many of them are custom homes, 
finding the absolute right buyer, like we've alluded to, will probably take more time. And, and you know, you can't really guarantee when the perfect buyer walks through the front door or whether or not the perfect buyer for your home is actually shopping for a home right now. Yeah. You're trying to sell a tailored suit or a tailored gown to another person that's tailored to you with it when it comes to those custom homes, right? Like, hey, does this fit anybody else? And it takes it takes a long time to find that person that one, it fits and two, they like, uh, you know, like some people might like a layout, but you can't buy taste. And unfortunately, sometimes the more money people have, the more marble they put on everything. So that's a really, really great analogy, Brendan, the, the, with the tailored outfit. The other thing is too, um, and this is something I have definitely noticed with, uh, buyers at that higher price point is, um, they believe, and this may be erroneous, especially considering what our market has done in the last couple of years in terms of prices going up and up and up. They believe, you know, let's say their budget is $2 million. Okay. They want exactly what they want and they can't see the value of, okay, well, this is, this house is, let's say your budget's 2 million. This house is listed at 1.8. We can probably get it for 1.75 and you can change the things that you don't like because then you still have room in your budget. They're like, well, no, I'm spending that money. It needs to be done the way I want it to be done. So it's, um, it's a little, it's, it's a matter of, of managing your client's expectations as well, which is, you know, um, something that can be very challenging sometimes. Um, I want, I want my clients to be happy. I want them to love the, the home that they're purchasing. And, um, and, and I do know like they, the buyers do suffer burnout as well about, about three quarters of the way through the process, they kind of throw their hands up and say, I'm never going to find anything. And that's like, no, let's just, we got to persevere. Uh, it's been my experience that I will work with a luxury buyer anywhere from six months to a year. Um, as opposed to a, uh, a single family home, first time buyer, you know, it's a couple of weeks sometimes to, or a couple of days, sometimes even to find them the right home because 15 of them came on the market last week. Right. So I want to try to cover a little bit on like both sides of it, because you've recently, even most recently, we were just talking about a success story that you had with a client who ended up finding the home of her dreams and you were working with her for a long time. So what are some of the challenges maybe from both sides? So, so that hopefully this helps anybody trying to get into luxury real estate or anyone looking for luxury homes. So what was some of the challenges that you had with this and that your client had? Sure. So I think the number one challenge for her at the beginning was she did have this big budget, but she didn't know what she wanted. She had a really, really broad search. We were looking at a lot of different kinds of properties, everything from a multi-unit in Vanier to you know, huge estates in Manatech. We were all over the map. And until she was really able to drill down and figure out what it was that she wanted, we weren't able to get anywhere. And sometimes that was just a matter of showing her everything. Here's everything in your budget. And if any of these catch your fancy, let's go look at it. And you know, there was some weighing of pros and cons of, you know, she was, she was she's a young girl with a large budget. I'm like, you know, why not buy a multi-unit and live in one of the units and have it be paying for itself? Ultimately, she decided that that wasn't her goal. And that's, that's great too. She, we did find her, you know, a beautiful waterfront home that she was very, very thrilled with. Um, but yeah, I think it was a matter of really, really drilling down what it is that she was looking for. Um, well, on the other side, I have other clients who know exactly what it is they're looking for. And it's been a matter of expanding their 
area of where they want to be. Like at first they only wanted to be in Westboro. And now we're looking at the Glebe at Old Ottawa South, at Rideau Heights, at Civic, like we're we're opening up those neighborhoods for them so they are able to, to find something that they do truly like. Yeah, sounds like it's both sides. You either have a very wide net and you're trying to rein them in, or you got people that are stuck in a room and you're trying to get them out and like, look around, there's way more for you to take a look at. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, as opposed to most, I would say the average home buyer, you kind of, I always tell my clients, like we're casting a wide net to see what we come back because it might be the perfect house over here. And for a lot of people, they're like, yeah, you know what? If it was an extra five minutes and the house was perfect, great. But when the luxury market, some people are like, nope. If it's not specifically in this neighborhood or on this street, I'm not going to do it. Perfect. Well, uh, Jess, thank you so much for joining us today. Uh, Besides our realcollective.ca website, where can people find you online? They can find me on Instagram at my Ottawa lifestyle. My Ottawa lifestyle. Check her out there on Instagram. Uh, If you enjoyed the episode, everybody, give us a like, share, and subscribe, and the notification bell on. We're just going to point down. I don't know if it's there, but that's what people do when they're fancy online because they're all influencers. Exactly. Just all over the place. I am Brennan McKeegan. Um, If you disagreed with anything or you have comments of your own, you've been through the luxury process, put it in the comments below. We'd love to hear from you. I'm Brennan McKeegan. Thank you guys so much. And this up here is my co-host and my partner, Sean. Sean, your turn to sign it out. Thanks, guys. Yeah, that was a great chat. Jess, thanks for joining us and and sharing some experience that you have uh, working with people in that luxury space. I think it was uh, great. And uh, yeah, just echo everything that Brennan said. Uh, So that's it for me. And uh, yeah, thanks again for joining. All right. See you guys next week. Check us out on Spotify and the Apple iTunes podcast website, whatever it's called. And uh, share this on YouTube. Thanks, guys. It's just it's just called podcasts. Apple podcasts, not yep, iTunes. Nope. Okay. Apple podcasts. See, I'm a I'm an Android guy. But there we go, guys. That's a topic for another day. Thank you once again to Justin Ardo for joining us today. Check us out, realcollective.ca. We'll catch you on the next Real Collective podcast. I'm Brennan McKeegan. Bye-bye.